Welcome to Meaningful Meditation for Life, hosted by Dr. Erhard Vogel, who has taught among the Himalayan sages for the past 50 years and is recognized around the world as a master teacher of self-realization. On this podcast, we invite you to discover his teachings, guided meditations, and classes. You'll return over and over to your favorite episodes in the archive and continue to grow with each new episode. This is the Fundamental Meditation Series. You'll learn meditation and self-realization from a master teacher. You'll learn the importance of knowing who you really are and experiencing a life true to yourself. This podcast series reflects just a portion of the eight-week program with Dr. Vogel. For the optimal experience, please start with week one and follow along for all eight weeks. Each week will begin with a class and be followed by a meditation. I'll be introducing our teacher in a few minutes. He is a man who has taught all over the world, throughout the United States, throughout the university systems. And for over 40 years, he's been bringing a message of self-empowerment to people. I met Dr. Earhart in an event just like this. Someone encouraged me to come, and I went. And you know, when you go to a class or a meeting, hoping to gain something, to find something valuable, and whenever I go to something like this, I think, I just want a tool. I want to walk out of the room with a tool I can put in my toolbox, a resource that I can keep, a gift. So I went to the class with that in mind, and I had a question in the back of my mind as well. I had learned to meditate about 25 years ago. I went to a class, it was a six-week class, it was held in Hillcrest, and when I got there, I found out I wasn't really the person they were designing this course for. It was for people in crisis. All of the students in there were AIDS or HIV positive. So they were really in crisis. And they were in a meditation class because they wanted a resource to help them face what they were facing. It was an intense class. <laughs> but it was a wonderful class and I learned a lot. And I took away a tool that I've used throughout my life. But I had a question. What is meditation? Why do we do it? How does it work? Am I doing it right? And I couldn't get answers to that question, even though I'd looked for a lot of years. A lot of definitions, a lot of words, but I didn't get the answer. But when I went to Earhart's class, right off the bat, he answered those questions for me. And I understood the value of it. Why people are talking about it now? Why is it everywhere? Because we know there's a benefit. And now I understand through his teaching what that benefit is, how it works, why we do it, and how to do it right. I was happy to have gained that much in his class, but then he went on and he started answering questions I didn't know I had. <laughs> One of the things that was going on in my life at that time when I walked in the room was that I had a great life, everything was perfect, and yet something was missing. I felt like I was just an ungrateful person. You know, here I had a wonderful family, best friends. I own my own business, so the world's best boss. Um, <laughs> a great house, excellent health. So why wasn't I completely satisfied in my life? And I just thought, well, you're just kind of a jerk. You're just not as easily satisfied person. Well, in that first class that I went with Dr. Earhart, he spoke to that, and he explained why people feel lack. That no matter how much you might acquire, that you might still feel lacking. So after that class, I was thrilled, and I thought, this is a guide that can teach me everything I don't even know I need to know. Mm -hmm. 
And I've been going to every one of his talks ever since. When I go to a class like this, I'm looking for something valuable. I found it when I went to his class, and I suspect that everyone in this room came here the same way I did originally. You want to find something valuable. You want to find a tool for your toolbox. And I promise you, there are plenty of tools that will be offered during this class if you focus. Okay. So with that, I am really proud and honored to be able to introduce you to a man of this caliber with these qualifications. 40 years of experience teaching us how to be self-empowered. He knows exactly how to tell you how to be self-empowered. So I'm going to introduce you now to a great teacher, my teacher, Earhart. Thank you, everyone, and good morning. Good morning. We're going to be spending some time together this morning, and it may be the time of your life. <laughs> but that's up to you. I want to ask all of you, us to join here right now in being focused in this, to have an experience together. Not to just hear some words. The words that I say to you can be completely useless if you forget them right away, as we usually do. However, if you let yourself be engaged in this experience right now, where we're together, where we're working together and communicating together, then something meaningful will take place. I invite you to join all of us in that experience. We're here to talk today, I was told I'm supposed to talk about being an expert in life. And that is a, it seems like a completely ordinary topic. It should be, but it isn't. Have you said to yourself already, expert in life? What is that? We don't think much of being an expert in life, do we? Have you thought of being an expert in your life? Isn't that a strange thing that we don't think of that? Because look, many of you, almost everybody is an expert at several things, at least one thing, like your profession, or being a parent, being a mother, being a father, being this or that. But to be an expert in life is to attend to something that is utterly fundamental. That's like the first thing. I would actually like to address this to a bunch of six-year-olds. Hmm. But I think for most of you, that moment has passed. <laughs> but can you imagine children being addressed in terms of, OK, what is it that you want to do with your life? What do you want to gain in your life? What is really important to you? What is meaningful? Let me ask you, is there something, does your life have meaning? And just answer yourself, does my life have meaning? I am sure that everybody assumes that their life has meaning because if you thought that your life does not have meaning, you would not get up in the morning. What for? Right? 
So you assume in general that your life has meaning. However, ask yourself this. If my life has meaning and I disregard that meaning, I don't even think about it. I don't try to live according to that meaning or to fulfill that meaning. Will my life be successful for me if I disregard its meaning? The answer is, to me, very obvious that, of course, the life cannot be successful if you don't address its meaning. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. However, when people ask themselves, what is the meaning of my life, they're stumped. They don't know. And then we just dismiss that as sort of a philosophical question. It's not a philosophical question. It's the most nitty-gritty, practical question. Questions that children often ask themselves and then are taught to forget about because we get busy with other things. But what is the meaning of my life? What am I here for? What will actually fulfill me? We're very busy. This is a very busy culture. We work many, many hours all the time. All of it ultimately has as its reason to bring fulfillment to us. Wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. We don't work hard in order to deprive ourselves. We want to fulfill ourselves. Yet when you ask yourself, what does fulfill me, really fulfill me, really make it so that I am completely at peace and filled with feelings of comfort and, and pleasure and joy and being at ease within myself, being in agreement with myself. And that's an idea, being in agreement with yourself. Most people aren't. Because there's a little criticizer inside. And whether you're six years old or 60 years old, that criticizer is constantly going on, saying negative things about you. Are you aware of that? Yes. Yeah. Do you know that thing? That criticizer is totally idiotic. It's totally unfair. It is impervious to any evidence to the contrary. You could get a Nobel Peace Prize, and that criticizer would still say, well, you know, you just fool them. They don't know what you really like. <laughs> Do you know? But that's unfair, and it's not right. It's just an automatic pattern of not even thoughts, but, but ideas going on within ourselves that came from way, way back that have just been snowballing, repeating themselves over and over again. But the thing is, although it's un unrealistic, it has a very realistic effect. These internal patterns by which we live, often they were formed in childhood. They still direct our lives and our actions and our behaviors and our inner experience even in advanced adulthood. We become victimized by those things. Don't have to be. Part of being an expert in life is to take charge and to free yourself from the impressions and the behaviors and the limitations of the past and make your life according to you, according to your conscious perception 
of your being, of yourself, in this life from moment to moment. Now, in order to accomplish that, you have to find yourself sufficiently worthwhile to become attentive to you, to pay attention to you. Do you hear what I just said? You have to find yourself sufficiently worthwhile to want to pay attention to you, to want to take charge, to want to give yourself a wonderful, meaningful, fulfilling life. Most people, they just go on as victims through life. And they, they, they leave this life feeling disappointed or empty or frightened or anxious, unfulfilled. That's not necessary. You, at each one of us, has within us the ability to become deeply focused in the experience of our being. The experience of our being. That's another idea that should be so obvious and isn't at all. Do you know what is the most important thing about you? Think simple. Think fundamental. What is the most important thing about you? Your bank account? Whether you're rich or poor? Whether you're pretty or handsome or not? Whether you're liked or disliked? None of those things. The most fundamental thing about you is that you are alive, that you're in this life, that you have life, that you are being. <coughs> Do you understand? Now, just in terms of practicality, is a life successful when we disregard <coughs> what is most fundamental about us, don't even think about it, don't even address it? Or is our life more successful or only successful if we live in accord what we fundamentally are and what is fundamental to us? Which way is life going to be successful? Only when we address it to ourselves, to who we really are. If I were to ask here, who are you really? I know what kind of answers I would get because I've done this, I think Joanne says 40 years, I've done this for over 50 years. And I get answers, whether it's here in the United States or in Afghanistan, because I've been in all those places and I've taught all over, the same answers. People disregard often what is really going on and what is really important. So when I ask you, who are you, the answers I'll get, I'm a woman, I'm a man, I'm a blonde, I'm a brunette, I'm a mother, I'm a father. None of, none of those things are who you really are. Those are things you're engaged with or involved in, but they're not who you are. When you want to find out who you really are, you have to find out what is superficial about you, what is meaningless about you, is that who you are? What is momentary about you, is that who you are? No, no of course not. There is something about you that you always are from, from your birth on through even now. It's still the same being, wouldn't you say? Even though your body has changed, your mind has changed many times. 
So the temporary stuff about you is not who you are. What is the real thing, the lasting thing about you that you really are? Now I, I look, you look puzzled to me, but then I ask you, if you don't know, what are you doing in this life? Right? Whom are you giving this life to? Most people don't know. Joanne mentioned, I, I spent years traveling all over the world and living with the people, like in the Arab nations, in Afghanistan, in India, in Nepal, in Turkey, and so on. And a common theme is that, as Joanne mentioned in her introduction, I was interested to hear that, there's something missing. Have, do you ever feel that? There's something missing? And you have so much, but there's something missing. And we have more than most people in the world have in terms of material possessions. And are, are you aware that in this, in our culture nowadays, there is so much awareness of tension, anxiety, frustration, fear, <laughs> disappointment, feelings of lack, and so on. They're endemic to our society, more so than most other societies, than many other societies. Why is that with all that we have? Well, because we don't have contact with, touch with ourselves. But that's really not important because I got to pay the rent today. That's what's important. Or I got an appointment. Or I got to get there at such and such time, and so on. Those are the important things. But those are only the things that augment life. When there is a focus missing of the fundamental, then even those superficial things, the things that augment life, will lack from that lack of focus. Does that make sense? When the, I repeat, when we're not aware of what is fundamental, the foundation of us, when there's a foundation lacking in our actions, our behaviors, in our conduct of life, then that whole life will suffer. Does that make sense? Sure. Right? So, however, we are not in touch with what is fundamental to us. And we see that as sort of, well, that's an, that's an interesting thing to talk about. I think that's a good topic for the next cocktail party that I go to, right? However, it's the most important thing that constantly affects us, whether we're in touch with what is the foundation of us or whether we're not. Now, how do I find out what is really fundamental about me and to me? How do I find out who I really am? How do I, because if I don't find out, then I give my life to somebody I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. No wonder I'm feeling lacking then. So how do I find out? How do I find out what is meaningful to me so that I don't live a meaningless life? How do I find out what actually fulfills me? 
so that I don't just keep on giving my energy to attaining things that disappoint me. Wouldn't you think those are practical questions? Why don't we ask them? Why don't we find the answers to them? How do I find out? How do I know? I have to know. How do I get to know? I find it very interesting that knowledge is, is something very important, but also we are sometimes misdirected. There's a difference between knowing something and believing. You understand? Belief, I can talk to you here about these things and you can say, yeah, I believe that's true. But the impact of that is very little. As opposed to, if I'm talking here and you're experiencing what I'm saying and following either the sensibility or the logic or the very essence of it, something in you can, if I'm telling the truth, it can reverberate within you, right? Where you can say, yes, I know that's true. Have I said anything today where you could say, yeah, I know that's true, for example, that too? to address what is fundamental to you is, is, is highly practical and important, right? So you can say, I know that is true. How do you know? You're experiencing it within yourself right now that this is true. Then that is real knowledge when you can say, I know that, right? Not believe that. And what I, I always say when I start a new series of classes with a group, I always say, don't you believe anything that I say to you? And I say this to you again today, sincerely. Don't believe anything that I say to you. Believing is lazy. With belief, you can be misled. But when you know from within yourself, then you can respond accordingly. And then you can direct your life with that inner knowledge that is really important. Uh, inner knowledge. There is what we call uh, uh, a faculty within us or an ability within us. I like to call it the inner knower. You, you're acquainted with that, right? Do you know how sometimes, okay, sometimes we say, well, I have an intuition, or I have a hunch, or something like that. But we actually mean there's an inner knower, something where you really know that it's so, and you don't even necessarily uh, explain why you know, how you know, you just know. That's the inner knowing. If you learn to be in contact with that and respond to that inner knower, you will not be misdirected. Now you have to, it's your responsibility to differentiate that from what you would like it to be. <laughs> the likes and the dislikes, and those sometimes mislead us. But what is, what the inner knower can really tell you, this is so, that is important to live by. Because if we're living in touch with what is, then we can be in harmony with that and we can thrive. But if we're in living in opposition of what is due to false belief systems or attachments to false ideas, or due to inclinations like, this is what I want it to be, but it isn't necessarily. When we live like that, we get in trouble. 
because we are living contrary to what is. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Right? So, I haven't answered the question fully yet. How do I know? I know through direct experience where my inner knower reverberates and says, I know this is so. Now, I don't know how much you're in contact with that ability of yours, but you, every one of us has that ability to deeply know. But we need to be in contact with it. Okay? Part of being an expert in life is developing a constant relationship between the inner knower and our, all of our faculties. In other words, our mind. That our mind is directed by the inner knower, not by falsity, not by wrong ideas, not by compulsions that we adopted in childhood, or fears, or anxieties, but by the inner knower. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. We can learn to cultivate the relationship between the inner knower and our mind. Even our feelings are affected by our inner knower. And that then affects our actions. I'd like to, to point out with our student, we, we study our faculties. When I say faculties, I mean mind, emotions, feelings, senses, intellect, and intuition. These are the instruments through which we conduct our life, right? Or at least for which we can conduct our life, but to various degrees of success according to how well we use and know and understand these instruments. Our mind is an instrument, right? It's not an organ, but it's, an, it's, it's a faculty or an instrument that we have. Your mind can be your worst enemy, because if your mind is saying that there's something lacking about you, there's something untrustworthy about you, that you really are not very good, and we just have to keep me hidden so that nobody can see. And even I can't see what I am really like because I don't want to see how messy that is. Do you know what I'm talking about there? Mm -hmm. People have that going on, and that we're not even aware of it most of the time. It just happens. Or our mind can be our enemy by always being distracted. It can go from one thing to the other to the other without us knowing anything about it. Have you noticed that? And then you say, where have I been? Well, you've been sitting right here, but your mind has been in the mall, or at home, or wherever, right? So the mind can distract you from awareness of yourself. But yourself is, what would you Just pose the opposite. Imagine you were to go through life from the beginning to end without ever having been aware of the fact that you are, that you're in this life, and that you're going through this life. What do you feel when you imagine that? Pointless. Pointless. Life would be pointless if you weren't aware of yourself being in it, right? It's like being in a comatose state. Are you ever like that? <laughs> Don't answer me, just ask yourself, right? And some people are like that a lot of the time. And some people are like that most of the time. 
And we only wake up when there is some crisis, like somebody dear to us dies, or we have an automobile accident, or some great loss or something. Then momentarily we take hold and come to recognize there's something more to us than that superficial stuff that's going on on the daily level. But that is a waste of, of one's life. To be aware of being, to be conscious, is one of the fundamentals necessary to our fulfillment. <laughs> to be conscious. So we cultivate the things that I'm talking about, the relationship. I started to say the relationship of our mind to our inner knower, our feelings, our emotions, and out of that come our actions. Out of that comes a way of life, of being focused, being centered, being present, being in touch with ourselves, making sense, having joy, having comfort, having security. When you're in touch with yourself, you get to know how beautiful and powerful each fundamental being of us is. Do you understand? How powerful, how clear, and how just generously loving the being that we are fundamentally is. If we pay attention to it, then we experience it. If we disregard it, we don't know about it. That's the greatest loss. <coughs> I, I show up often when I talk and start new classes. Okay, here's a mind, feelings, actions. We often think we start out with a mental idea, right? Much of our life takes place mentally. But when we have that negative self-talk, even when we're not aware of it, it influences our feelings, doesn't it? When you, when you say, if your mind says that you are somewhat lacking and not trustworthy, that something not, not good or nice about you, then your feelings are overjoyed, aren't they? No, don't believe anything that I say. <laughs> They're not. Your if your mind says that you're a crumb bum, your feelings feel like you're a crummy person, right? Mm -hmm. So your mental state affects your feelings, there's a connection. Now, your feelings affect what? Your actions. We think we make mentally uh, a determination, I'm going to do such and such, but all of that is influenced by our feelings. Our feelings are the main energy source for our actions. So now, if our feelings are based upon Okay, I'm, I'm a wonderful being, I'm powerful, I'm, I'm beautiful, I'm luminous, I'm radiant. Your feelings will reflect that, won't they? Mm -hmm. Then your actions, they will be harmonious, they will be at ease, they will be beneficial, right? Now, if you have actions which are harmonious and beneficial and successful, what does your mind say about you? Hey, 
I'm pretty good. Mm -hmm. I'm a good person. I really like who I am. I approve of who I am. So they affect each other with, in a reciprocal way. The, the mind affects the feelings. The feelings affect the actions. The actions affect the mind again. So now, whether you live in a harmonious cycle or disharmonious cycle is decided by the world of circumstances and conditions, right? No. No. Oh, now you're learning not to, do, to not believe anything that I say. No, they are decided by you. Whether you live in a harmonious and successful and fulfilling life of love and, and joy and pleasure, or whether you're living in a life of, oh, I don't know, there's always something wrong. I'm getting older. Uh, I'm get, beginning to forget things. You always forgot things, right? <laughs> but, but forgetting now becomes a sign of old age, right? I, I have a 25-year-old son, and when he forgets something, he's, he's a genius. He's very, very bright, and is just really there. When he forgets something, I'm always overjoyed. <laughs> because it's, it's not a sign of old age, <laughs> you know, not necessarily. Uh, so back to, again, this, when, when it is, this is a negative cycle that we are victimized by and subject to, we feel disempowered. And I think Joanne used the term empowerment in her introduction. When we are in touch with ourselves and live true to who we really are, being an expert at being myself, right? Being expert at being my real self, my true self, inevitably you are fulfilled, you're in harmony, you like yourself, you even learn to love yourself, which is the hardest thing ever, to learn to approve of yourself. Not really hard, uh, and you live a fulfilling life and you live a conscious life, a life being in touch, a life of meaning, a life of success, real success. That affects the success in your relationships because we are very relational animals. Relationships are fundamentally important to us, and like the family relationship the neighborhood relationship, the community relationship, but even relationship to the whole, everything. It's very important to us. If we're in harmony, if we approve of ourselves, if we're empowered, if we're expert at being true to ourselves, those relationships will flourish. And they will attract, you will attract more people into those positive relationships. But if you are, out of touch with yourself, if you disregard yourself, and haven't made it your focus to be expert at yourself, and the use of all of your faculties and so on, there is disharmony inside of you. There's a lack of peacefulness. There's a lack of acceptance. There's a lack of love. That radiates. That affects other people. They will treat you and relate to you accordingly, if they relate to you at all. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Now, all of this, to me, is utterly fundamental. 
But it is strange in as much as we don't think that way much in our society. Wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. Yet, we, I think it's easy to see that <laughs> we need to think this way just to make sense with our life. Okay? So the thing is, even though we haven't lived that way, that doesn't mean that we can't because you can learn through direct experience how to be expert at getting your mind to be present to you and to stop talking negatively to you about you and to become a very positive, luminous source of relationship to yourself. You can affect your feelings to become very deeply harmonious and satisfying and fulfilling so that you feel at ease within yourself, at peace within yourself, in self-acceptance and self-approval. If you choose to give that to yourself, you can. You can learn how to live that way, not just as a practice, but to live that way moment to moment permanently. So what I just said, not just as a practice, is very important. We're not talking here about more highfalutin philosophical or theoretical stuff. We're talking here about addressing the nitty-gritty reality and practicality of your life that should have been taken care of when we were, as I said, six years old and from then on. But it hasn't for most people. Uh, just as a little diversion here, I have been aware of this since I was five and a half years old because I grew up in war-torn Germany and in bombardments I met death when a, a bomb hit our home directly and so I, I had to straighten up right there and then and get real, get with, get with the program as we say, get with what's, what's going on and since then I have dedicated my life to living that way, being that way. And in that, I also know of our interconnectedness. And so if, you know, I lived for a while in a cave in the Himalayas. I think there's a picture of it up there. And I was in bliss. It was perfect. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. I had it made. There was nothing else I needed in life. I was fulfilled. But then I remembered, gee, at home, there are people who are suffering. People not because they don't have food or they don't have clothing or shelter, so, but they're suffering because of what's going on inside of themselves. Why? Because they don't know. They don't know. They're good people, just like I am. We all are. They just don't know. They suffer. And so I was going to stay there for the rest of my life. Well, I had no need to go anywhere. But now, I felt, how can I let that go on without my sharing how to live to fulfillment? You know? I said some, a phrase to you earlier. Whether you, the, uh, um, a motivating force, or what makes a difference is whether you find yourself worthwhile of the attentiveness to take charge of your life, to learn to use your mind and feelings and emotions, all your faculties, 
in an expert way so as to fulfill yourself. And that, that is a very important phrase because that's where some of the crux of the matter is. Because almost all of us have grown up to think of ourselves as not worthwhile. Again, that negative talk, there's something lacking about us, something unworthy about us. So if you find yourself worthy enough of the attention and the learned, there are things you need to learn. You need to learn, for example, how to overcome certain habit patterns that are inherent to you. I'll give you one very obvious example. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you just carry tension within you even when there is no direct cause? Hello? Yeah. Tension yeah. that you carry within yourself even when there's nothing go tension causing going on? Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Well, with many people, that's a constant. And this is just one very obvious example. So we have tension even if there's nothing causing it. What does that tension do? Well, it restricts our energy. It restricts our <coughs> physical, our muscles, our cells, our nerves. And it is now well known to be one of the leading causes of disease, including cancer. You've heard about that, right? Mm -hmm. Do you accept that, that that is the case? Okay. Yeah. So when we have tension, endemic tension, always going on, it's very, very disruptive. Have you ever felt like tired, <clears throat> you know, three o'clock in the afternoon and said, gee, I haven't done anything to get this tired, but I'm very tired. Well, that tension eats up a lot of mm -hmm. your energy, you know? So, there are ways that we teach from the beginning on to become at will aware of the tension and to create within yourself a state of freedom from tension. A state in which you are deeply relaxed. You cause that to happen down to the cellular level. And it makes an enormous difference to your life. Just this one very simple fundamental thing. You also learn how to focus your mind, to have your mind working for you, not against you, but be present for you, help you in the experience of the conduct of your daily life from moment to moment. You learn to, to even be aware of how your breathing affects you. If you were to breathe like this for about five minutes, what would happen to you? How would you feel? Pass out, exhausted. You would feel nervous and right, but or if you were to breathe like like that, <laughs> do you ever do that? Yes, a lot of times you might not even notice it. So you learn how to even become aware of your breath and regulate your breath, and it becomes an, an intimate part of you where you take care of that. And so that the breath influences your energy system, it influences your nervous system in a beneficial way. Now we cultivate a state. Imagine this, feel this for a moment. Go along with me. Imagine you were going through life from moment to moment, being deeply in touch with yourself. And that inner knower, being in 
direct communication, right, with your feelings and emotions and so on, <clears throat> where you're completely, deeply relaxed, even while you're moving around or working, and you're utterly in agreement with who you are. You like yourself, you love yourself, you're deeply at peace. And you're in the awareness of being from moment to moment without distortion and without distraction. How would that be if you were to go through life that way? How would that be? Mm. Can you give me some ideas? Huh? It would feel harmonious. Anything else? Peaceful. Peaceful. Open. Open, yes. Pardon? Unburdened. Unburdened. Very good. Very unburdened is also free. And then empowered. But at peace. In harmony. To be in that state of continuous awareness of being without distortion and distraction at will is called <coughs> Can you guess? Mm -hmm. Mine. Mine. Medical? <laughs> That's what meditation is. There was a gentleman sitting here earlier, and I noticed him getting up and leaving. And I asked her, Joanne, what happened? And she says, well, he asked, is he going to talk about meditation? And she said, yeah. She said, oh, I don't like that. Uh, I get bored with it. And he got up and left. And I said, well, what I would have said, you are, you're getting bored with being aware of being? You're bored with being conscious? <laughs> but this is how we do things. We see meditation as some practice or some esoteric thing or some distant thing or so. No, it is the very foundation of a meaningful life is to be present and focused and being in touch. Would you argue, say, no, I'm bored with that? No. No. So this gentleman had a wrong conception of meditation, which most people have. I'm, I'm working on a book right now, and last night I, I was editing on, on part of that. And that, at the very beginning, I said that meditation is so difficult. There's a lot of talk about meditation nowadays, right? You, you hear this everywhere. You know, Family Magazine, L. <laughs> uh, you know, the men's magazines and so on. Meditation is always there, right? The problem with, and most people, many people try nowadays, but they're frustrated after some weeks or months of trying because it doesn't work. And meditation doesn't work. You've got to work it, right? But you've got to know what to do. Mm -hmm. And most people who are taught to meditate are not taught to meditate. And so they know, don't know what meditation is. 
including the teachers don't know what meditation is. I taught meditation all over the world, and even in India I find meditation teachers who don't know what meditation is, they say, well, look at a candle and try to be quiet. What happens if the candle goes out? Well, then you have one. <laughs> well, okay, then take a flower. What, uh, what happens if you're somewhere and you don't have a flower with you? You can't be conscious, right? Now, the reason people have such difficulty being in that state of awareness of being is because they don't know how to. They don't even know that it exists, that it is available to them. If you find yourself sufficiently important, you find out how to be attentive, how to be present to yourself from moment to moment, and how to be an expert at it. You can't just, you could, you may have understood everything that I said here today, and even agreed with me, with the true things that I said, not the off the wall stuff. But that's not enough. You need to take your faculties and teach them, train them, how to be true to what you determine. You can just say, now, okay, I'm going to be completely conscious and experience myself being. Well, good luck. That's a nice, nice determination, but doesn't mean that it's going to happen. You need to know how. And you need to learn, not through belief systems, but through direct experience. And that's how we work, and only the way we work. We have beautiful gatherings, like on Monday night with our meditation class, where we, where we know we're all in the same direct experience together. And it's a most wonderful community spirit, interconnectedness, and being in touch with the luminosity of yourself, the light of being. Would you like to have a little experience of meditation? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can guide you through just a very little bit. So not even to the deepest levels. But I will include, when I, when I used to teach like for, uh, <clears throat> in the 70s, I taught throughout the university circuit. And people would come to me and say, gee, the things that you talk about that your students gain in meditation, I have not gained, and I've, I've, I've meditated for 15 years, an hour a day, every day, faithfully. I said, my God, that's really good. But it's, it's not good that you had not the benefits that we're talking about, the benefits of being, feeling in your life, not just during that time, but feeling deeply at peace and interconnected and alert and conscious and aware and free, free of all the pains and the problems and so on that we are usually enmeshed in. <clears throat> so then I, I learned to say, okay, what conditions do you set up to prepare yourself for meditation? And you know, the standard answer was, what do you mean? Well, if you don't know the answer to that question, you won't be able to meditate no matter how many years and how sincerely you try. There are certain fundamental conditions that you need to be able to, to establish for yourself, such as, as I mentioned earlier, how to be relaxed at will deeply. 
because otherwise your body starts to jeep around and, and distract you. Even your breathing you can learn to regulate and it'll help to soothe the nerves and everything <coughs> be present for you. So for all the faculties, the mind, feelings, emotions, senses, intellect, and intuition, you can affect them all. And you learn step by step how to place yourself in it, in those conditions that eventually allow for the state where you're just completely present, at ease, where the mind is present and awake and alert, but it's not going off into all kinds of divergent distractions. Right? Can you feel what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Where you're really there. So I will give you some guidance, and we'll just do a short little uh, bit today, just to give you an experience. I suggest to you that you just go along step by step with the suggestions. I'll only suggest positive things to you. And don't think it, don't think ahead, don't try to create it with your thinking. Just have a humble state of just, okay, let's just see. Let's just do this and see, right? Like a scientific experiment. Unless you do all the steps, you won't be able to prove whether it works or not, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So <clears throat> I'm going to ask you just put down your whatever you have in your lap. Just throw it on a chair next to you on the floor. And seat yourself comfortably, upright, so that there's no pressure on your spinal column and different muscles and joints and so on. See to yourself where you can really stay like this without fidgeting around after this. Okay? Keep your head up. And if you're the lady there who is she sleeping already? Yeah. Uh, then she's missing out. Can you can you wake up? I'm, I know I'm not as interesting as some of you had hoped, but, <laughs> but, but what is this? Uh -oh. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So with this, I'm going to guide you to become relaxed, which means also that you might have a tendency to drift off to sleep. My best advice to you is don't. You get much more out of it and much more relaxed and much more rest when you're, when you're present because you can get yourself to a much deeper state of relaxation. There are many people who sit for meditation but have their mind doing it, explaining meditation, talking about it. That means a mental process is going on which is not meditation. Meditation is not a mental doing, but an all-inclusive experience of the real being you are. When you meditate, every part of you, mind, feelings, emotions, intellect, and intuition, even your body, has its energy focused in your center and harmony. Your faculties are in balance within themselves and with each other, and in that union they participate in the experience of the being you are. Be fully focused to have a deep and meaningful experience of yourself. For your greatest benefit, please be in a quiet space, sit up straight with your feet flat on the floor, your spine comfortably aligned and erect, and simply follow Dr. Vogel's guidance. 
So sit up straight, please. Have your head up. Take a nice deep breath. And exhale. And now cause your breathing to flow evenly and easily. Evenly and easily. We're going to address the various parts of our body and simply give them a signal to relax. And you'll be amazed. You have the ability to cause relaxation very specifically throughout your body. Even if you've never done this before, if you just go along, you'll find wonderful effects. So focus upon your head right now and tell your head to relax. Head, relax. And imagine you can feel a sense of relaxation flowing from the top of the head through the forehead and temples and brow. Relax now. Relax. Send relaxation flowing down through your eyes, even deeply in their sockets. All the facial muscles relax. Mouth and tongue and jaw. Relax now. Relax. Let your whole face and your whole head be deeply relaxed now. Now relax your neck. All the little muscles and bones relax. Neck, relax. Send the relaxation flowing down into your shoulders. Shoulders, relax. Let go. Relax. Your head is now effortlessly balanced above the shoulders. Head and neck and shoulders, relax. And now send that relaxing energy flowing down your back from your shoulders down through the rib cage into the lumbar area, the small of the back, and down into the pelvis, your seat, relax. I feel a sense of upliftment through the, the back, that energy rising now, uplifting your back, so that your back is effortlessly balanced in this pose right now. Now relax your chest. Just let it feel open and free. And your abdomen, there's often a lot of tension centered there. Relax. And now all the way down to your loins. Relax, relax, relax. Now for your limbs. Tell your arms to relax. Just hanging from your shoulders down through the upper arms, through the elbows, into the forearms, the wrists, into your hands, and through the tips of your fingers. Relax now. Relax. And relax your legs from the hips, through the thighs, through the knees, into your calves, your ankles, feet, through the tips of your toes, 
relax, relax. Now consider your whole body relaxed, inside and out, all the way through, including all of your organs, all of the various systems like respiratory, circulatory, nervous system, and so on. Indeed, imagine down to the cellular level that the relaxation takes place now. Letting go, letting go, relax. Have you noticed your breathing has become more easy now, more harmonious and fluid? For a few moments, let your mind observe the flow of your breathing. And only that, only observe. As the breath comes in through the nostrils and goes to your lungs and then flows out again. Let your mind simply observe without any comment. Just be like an impartial bystander. Observe the flow of the breath. And only that. Remember to be at ease, to be deeply relaxed. Your relaxation flows now to deeper and deeper levels. You start at the impetus. Relax, relax, relax. Your mind only watches the flow of your breath. let go. And you may notice that your mind tends to kind of stay in the area where the breath goes, the area of your lungs. This is also the area of your heart, just that general area. And you know when you point at yourself or when you say something really got to you, something really touched you. That's the area that you touch with your hand when you talk about yourself. Consider this area now just for as a, as a way of focusing. Consider that area as being your very center. Being the center of being. Your center. And tell your mind that you invite it to stay right there in your center, the area of your heart. This is also your center of self-awareness. So tell the mind to be at home here in your center. Be relaxed. Be at ease. Be deeply at rest in your center. Now, if you find your mind distracted by things, jumping to other things, don't worry about it. Don't fight it. 
have that part of the experience of yourself being like that. Your mind is resting in your center, at home there. Your mind at home in your center. And since the mind is the coordinator of all the faculties, they are coming there to rest in your center as well. So your feelings, your emotions, your senses, automatically all come together here in your center. And you be open to that. To let everything about you be gathered now in union and in harmony in your center. So the faculties, mind and feelings and emotions that sometimes oppose each other, they're all now resting in your center, effortlessly balanced, tranquil and calm. Your breath keeps on flowing harmoniously, soothing all these facets of you. And you establish yourself more and more in a sense of peacefulness and balance. And with that arrives after a while, just a simple sense of being satisfied, being satisfied being you. Being in approval of yourself, in agreement with yourself. You let the relaxation continue deeper and deeper. You're present, you're awake, alert. But your mind is now just present to you. So that inner knower is an aspect of yourself that is present in your center. Your center is the seat of awareness of being. Now at all your faculties resting in harmonious balance in your center are in the awareness of being. They devote their full attention to you, the being that you are. joined in the awareness of being. And this is what they were created for. This is their fundamental function. To serve you in the experience. 
experience of being unto ourselves with unconditional acceptance utterly at peace fully alive in the experience of ourselves
experience yourself as worthy of this attentiveness. Worthy of being with yourself, being one with yourself. And there is a deep within your core, a wellspring of, of joy and satisfaction. Don't even have to look for it, don't have to create it. When you attend to yourself this way, that will open up and radiate throughout you, throughout your life, and all that you touch with your life. Be at peace. Stretch out your arms overhead, inhale and exhale deeply now. And you can, can remain present to yourself. Uh, so, can we talk? How did it go for you? What did you notice? How oh. I ever even meditated. <laughs> really? It was very What, are you lucky if you did? <laughs> well, you know, my, I did work to be here. And I can't believe I forgot about work for a while. Yeah. And it took, it took a few. But I good, very good. Work at work. That means you did something right. Yeah. yeah. Just relax. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Good. Anything else? Other, any other responses? Did you, any of you have your mind interfering? Yeah. That's normal. But you learn a lot. This takes practice. I mean, it takes, and not just sitting like this for meditation, but even during the day, you can make yourself be aware of the fact that you're here, that you are, right? <clears throat> and when you have done the practice of meditation on a regular level, then these ideas of being relaxed, being focused, regulating the breath, having everything centered, having that in self-awareness and not distraction, becomes part of your life. That's how you will be, you know? So eventually, when people ask me, how many times a day do you meditate? My answer is, all day. That's, the, that's what you really want. That's the, the reason for that state, is to be present, aware, and making sense, being conscious all day long. Do any of the things that I said to you make sense? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Were you challenged by that question of when you asked yourself whether you're worthy of this attentiveness and this effort of becoming an expert in life? How many of you found yourself challenged by that question? Yeah? The rest of you don't want to admit? <laughs> yeah. But you know that the, the thing is also, logically speaking, we can all say, of course I'm worthy of it. 
that still doesn't necessarily take care of what's going on inside. It doesn't negate the negativity. Yeah, yeah. But the, you, you have to remember the negativity is false. It's, and it's impervious to any evidence to the contrary. So it's irrational. It's not true, you know? But you learn, but when you start to take it, pay attention to yourself and want to be with yourself and have your mind and feelings and emotions be in relationship to yourself, then of course you'll find yourself worthy because those are the behaviors of somebody who is worthy, right? But if you treat yourself with disregard and disrespect, dismissal, then of course your mind won't say, but that proves how worthy you are, <laughs> right? It's the opposite. So now, I know we're, we're, we're coming to our conclusion for today. Did you have a good experience? Yes. Okay. Um, but I want to invite you to ask questions and make comments now, because usually what happens is I'll go off and then people will come up afterwards, and they'll ask the most fascinating questions. Then I say, oh my God, would be so nice because everybody has similar questions. Would be so nice if we had discussed them together so that if I come up with anything good in the answer, the others could enjoy it too, right? Or benefit, right? So, did you have your hand up? I did. Yes. I have two, two comments, questions. Um, one is, I find it particularly difficult to sit for a long time and, and be there, less so now. Um, but if, until one can be there all day, I find if I take a minute, I mean literally a minute or, or less, and just breathe, what I'm trying to learn how to do is breathe between each different action that I have. Just take a minute between each thing. Someday the dots will connect, I figure. Especially if you believe doing the actions as well. Oh, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Don't hold your breath. And the other particular challenge, it's interesting, going back into the material world, is the worthiness. I come face to face with it every day because I'm being provided with a lot of help right at this moment and keeping alive uh -huh. and that when you translate it into dollars is pretty pretty astounding uh -huh. and it's hard not to feel gee what are they doing keeping you know this old woman alive do you want to know how to answer that uh, do you divine purpose which is what we're no. trying to do but no what am i doing what am I doing to not only keep myself alive, but be alive in the meaningful way? That is the answer to your question, when you answer that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Not, okay, there are people helping you, and it may be on a physical level, maybe on all kinds of levels, but then the real question is, what am I doing? Moment to moment, right now, and next and next and next. What am I doing to not only keep myself alive, but give myself the experience of this being alive 
continuously. When you do, then you don't worry about the others anymore. You don't worry about having to, I mean, it's all about me right now. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable, you know? Well, you know, you said something, mm -hmm. that's something very true. We are so egotistical. Egotistical means living according to an ego concept that I'm an isolated entity, right? And so, <clears throat> with that, we're taught it's not good to be egotistical. Therefore, we should not focus on this isolated entity that I am. We should focus on others. But you see, the, the mistake is not where the focus is. The mistake is how you regard yourself. You're not an ego structure. You're not a body-mind concept. That's not what you are. And that you need to really learn, not just because I said so, but you need to learn that, that you're so much more than that. But then also, logically speaking, if you're not balanced and focused and present within yourself, how beneficial can you be in relationship to everything else? Because it's, it's, it's lacking its foundation, you. <laughs> You understand? Mm -hmm. So, but in the in the <coughs> awareness of the real being that you are, that's where you experience and find your true interconnectedness with others, and learn how to be beneficial to others in just your way of being. Does that make sense? Yeah. Put on your own life jacket first, <laughs> maybe. <coughs> Now, one other thing that you said is that you find it so hard to be still. Well, that's like almost a, a neurological and physical reflex in us. <clears throat> we use yoga classes as a way of, our yoga classes are absolutely beautiful. They're, they're not just the postures, but you're learning how to be present to yourself while in movement, how to be conscious, how to be aware, how to be deeply relaxed, releasing all the tension and letting go. That, you know, that guidance I gave you about relaxing, that works, doesn't it? Even though you probably, you didn't do as well as if you had done it a hundred times, right? So, but even if you do it just once, it works. Well, with yoga, the yoga classes, all yoga means means being in union, having everything about you in union with you and with what is, you know? So in those classes, we learn how to be so deeply relaxed and so deeply present. And then, but you also, you, you pump up your heart, you get up your metabolism and so on. And then, so after about an hour and a quarter of that or so, you've, you've really upped your energy level. And then we have a 10 minute guided deep relaxation where you just lie on your back. You would think that's the easiest part of the class, right? It isn't. That's the most, for beginners, it's the most difficult part of the class because they've got to fidget around, they've got to do something, and their mind, their body just won't take it to lie still like that. And, but within two or three classes, you learn how to relax so deeply that, that letting go is so beautiful and so energizing that you love doing it. And this is what I also, also always, uh, stimulate is have your your faculties register how much pleasure this is. Was this pleasurable what we just did? And that's just the beginning. That's just scratching the surface. 
If you find yourself worthy of the attentiveness, you will find a wellspring of the deepest satisfaction and pleasure. There was a hand? Yes. yes. Uh, I found that I got so relaxed, and I felt like I was falling asleep, and I was distracted each time because I had to jerk myself up. Yes. That's a common experience. Even in the final relaxation after class where we're not even saying meditation or anything, that's common. It's a way of staying in the distracted state. Why do I say that? Listen to what he said. It's a way of staying. Do you want to be in the distracted state? No. no. But there's something in you that's habituated to being in the distracted state. What does a habit do? It perpetuates itself. It keeps itself going, right? Yeah. So falling asleep while doing this is one of the first ways of causing distraction from the state of being completely present, completely focused, completely alert and there, right? Mm -hmm. You learn how to overcome that by being so vitally engaged <coughs> with the experience of yourself that nothing in you, not even the old habits, will want to be distracted. But you see, everything, it doesn't come about just by hearing about it or by my talking about it. It is something that you learn to create, to cultivate, to nurture within yourself. Do you know what is four times four? Yes, you do, right? Were you born knowing that? No. But right now, you knew right away. You didn't even have to think, right? You cultivated that ability early in childhood. Before that, you should have cultivated the ability to be aware of being, to be conscious. But you weren't taught about that. So you got a lot to overcome. You got a lot to catch up on. Are you worthy of that attention? I think you are, but that's not what's important. What you think is important. Okay, any other questions or comments? Yes? It's a comment. Um, it's easy for me to fall asleep in this, and so I kept my eyes like slightly, slightly, slightly open. Uh-huh. You know, just the littlest amount. Right. Okay, good, good point here. Um, what works best for you? Some people like to just let, let their eyes be closed, <clears throat> but if that means you're then going to sleep, then you're missing out. So some people like to stare straight ahead, maybe at an, like you've heard of mandala, for example, a design of some kind, or whatever. If you're sitting on the mountaintop, you might want to gaze at the valley, at the beautiful view ahead of you, without looking around, without analyzing all of the hills and valleys and so on, just gazing straight ahead. Integrating that all with the experience of being. This, everything about you is there to facilitate, to aid the experience of being. Even the things that you see, well, the things that I said today, they were there to help you experience the, the being that you are, right? Mm -hmm. So everything about you is there for that purpose. If you let it relate that purpose to you, 
But for that, you need to be in your mind, feelings, and emotions. So need to be in touch with you. Isn't, even that is a strange concept, isn't it? To, to be in touch, to be aware of you being. But it shouldn't be, that should be the most common and constant experience there is for you, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you're raising a good point with the eyes. You do what works best for you. Uh, either eyes open or sometimes just partially open just like that, or closed, whatever works for you, okay? Yes? You know, when you work a 50-hour work wage, you're a wife, a grandmother, and you seem to be all for everybody, and you okay. just want that thing. Everything will be fine to you Okay, you have to address your inner attitude. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do I give myself the time? Work 50 hours, you're lucky if you have only 50 hours with traffic and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff, and then family, and I come home, and then the kids want attention, and so on, and so on. Uh, and then uh, on weekends, I gotta do the laundry, and gotta go shopping, and this, and this, and this, and this. That's not the right, that's not the, the, the helpful focus for that question. Because, okay, ask yourself, if I work 50 hours or 40 hours a week, and I'm not doing it in the awareness of the fact that I am. Is that work any good for you? No. So it's useless, it's worthless. If I come home and am with my family and don't relate that experience to my self-being, but make it part of the forgetfulness of myself, is that worthwhile for you? Well, I also feel... No, 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 is that worth... Yeah, but now, I'm sorry, but now you're distracting. Right. Did, did you hear what you said? It's probably not uh, worthwhile if I'm that way. There's no probably about it. If you're, if, you're, if you're comatose, how good is it to have your family around you if you don't know it, right? And how good are you to your family when you're not present, when you're not conscious, when you're not aware? Is that true or not? Is that true or not? So, that, that has to be the first. Then, you say, how can I make the time? You don't have to make time. We're all in the continuum of time all the time. This, I said to myself once I was driving, I remember the moment, and this was at the time when you wrote letters, and I said, oh, I haven't <laughs> written a letter to my sister now for, months, but I haven't had the time. And I said, whoa, Erhard, you can't say that. We all are living in the continuum of time. How we apportion that time, that's up to us. Unless we're victims, then it's up to somebody else. Then it's up to circumstances and conditions, right? Hmm. So you have to decide, first of all, am I in charge? Or am I a victim and have circumstances and conditions in charge? So if I'm choosing to, and I, there's nothing wrong with choosing to work 
and choosing to do this and this and this. But if, if it is in the awareness that it is my choice and I'm doing it consciously, not at the expense of my consciousness. Mm-hmm. You see? Now, it's, here's another point. People, okay, those 40 hours at work, I, I sacrifice myself, and then when I come home, that's when I want to start living. Well, gee, that's a bad bargain, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Nobody could pay me, even if you paid me a million dollars an hour, I wouldn't give up my life for it. But most people do, in that attitude. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Is that right? What I'm, you know? So, if you are aware that you are to the actions that you are doing, the way of life that you're conducting, is by your choice. You're you're saved from the victimhood that oh, this is necessity that's imposed upon me and imposes my choice. But it, this cannot just be a mental game that you're playing in order to shift things up. No, you have to be real in that. You, you have to be in touch with yourself and see that the worthiness of you lies in you being in contact, being the experience of yourself all the time. And that you're willing to invest what it takes to do that. Because even though we talked about it, and even if you agreed with everything that I said to you, and think it's the most worthwhile, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. You, you have, as I said before, a lot of conditioning of a lifelong to overcome. And that takes attentiveness. But that's the wonderful thing too. Through your own uh, difficulties here, like, you know, okay, I noticed I have difficulty staying awake. I noticed I have difficulty staying awake to myself. Okay, so overcoming that difficulty fine-tunes and empowers all of your instruments so that they become part of serving you in the most powerful and direct and effective ways to fulfill yourself. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So every moment invested is worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir? Do you drive? Yes, sir. Do you find it a very tension-filled experience? Not at all. No? I'm, while I'm driving, I'm driving in the awareness of the being that I am. And it's not a distraction from the driving. Do you see? Sometimes we think we need to focus, let's say, on driving so much, or on my job so much that I completely forget myself. Then there's something missing. And that's how accidents, then accidents can happen. You know? If you're in the awareness of being with harmony, with ease, with relaxation, fully present, none of your energy is wasted with all that other stuff. It's completely there and part of good driving. Does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, to a degree. I mean, I my observation, and I have many observations, I said driving out here in California, because I wasn't raised here, the, the driving I've noticed is fast, reckless, and courteous. Some mm-hmm. possess all three. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Okay, so to which degree could I fully answer your question? <laughs> you said to some degree. Yeah. Do you, you know, see, I pick up, pick up on that just like you said before, because that's how we do things to ourselves. We keep things so to some degree so that it's not fully realized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But can you imagine driving in a state where you're very present, but deeply relaxed, and not distracted by any tensions, or any anger, or any worries, or any plans for the future, but completely there, that there would be a, a better experience? Sure. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't say it's possible. It's a given. Yes, ma'am. I think it all has to do with your personality. I agree with him. If I if I have so, shopping peacefully in my mind, I'm enjoying my shopping experience. I have somebody two feet away yammering on the phone in my ear. That irritates me. I, I can't get it unless I'm on drugs. I don't see how you can just go into yourself. I just don't get it. If I wake up in a good mood and I, I get an irritating phone call or my husband is picking or something nitpicking. I, was, I thought that you would explain, how do I change that feeling? I can't just go okay. into myself. Can I ask you something? Can I ask you something? Sure. So the state that you are now expressing is that you're subject to and helpless with conditions and circumstances that are imposed upon you. No, I, everything outside me right. affects me. I don't right. understand how so it can I, to me. Well, I'm, I'm going to, would you like to understand? I would. Okay, would you like to be free of that, of, of that dependency on the outside forces? <laughs> I'm not dependent on it, I would like to alleviate it. Well, if they're forcing you to be upset and angry, it's a dependency relationship. But the thing is, I'm asking very carefully, would you like to be free of that, because a lot of times, Though we say it bothers me and so on, we don't want to be free of it. We cultivate it. And just a second. And you're asking me, you haven't explained. I actually have. That whole experience that I guided you through is more than an explanation, but it's the whole experience of how you can free yourself from the outside influences being dependent and being victimized by that. And you're shaking your head no. Because it sounds like self-hypnosis is what it sounds like. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't you, have that type of personality. You I'm have aware a, of everything that goes on. Okay. So in other words, you have the personality of a victim. This okay, is what I you're saying. A personality. So you have the personality of a victim is what you what you're insisting on. So do you I don't do? you don't have to. You can you can learn to do things where you are so focused on what's exp- what you're experiencing within yourself. Where you so deeply know who you are and appreciate what you are so powerfully that none of those influences will affect you. In fact, you use them as a reminder of this, this yammering voice used to, do, used to get me all upset. I use it as a reminder now to focus within, implement what I've learned and what I've uh, taught to myself, and free myself from that influence. 
if you want to. But if you want to insist that nothing will work, you're absolutely right, nothing will work. Yes, ma'am. I would say, you asshole. Mm -hmm. and, and then I started saying, bless you, my child. <laughs> and it changes your attitude, and, and it's easier to go where he's... Well, I've overcome that problem, because I figure they have to be someplace faster than me. So I let him go. Okay. Uh, this lady's next, and then I'll come to you. Yes? Uh, I was going to say the same sort of thing. It's like when, when somebody gets lost or, or, or something stolen from you and say, you know, that person must have needed my coat more than I did. You know, that person is cutting you off and getting some work. So all of those... That, you know, they're... That you can feel empathy. I wasn't the one who brought up the traffic issue. No, I, I know, I know. I'm just using that as an example. Just like the, if somebody steals your coat and you're a victim that somebody stole your coat, so what you what you're saying in other words you're in charge of how you think of that and relate to that and what emotions and feelings come along with that you're in right. charge of that right yes yes ma'am um, so what I'm hearing is um, we've been practicing a certain way and you're encouraging us that this will take time and this is a practice that will take time and you have to be kind to yourself and allow yourself to do this practice and by doing that you really get to know yourself and love yourself. Yes. But there is a caution with this, this takes time. A lot of things are this and, and another thing. It takes time of you to bring this about and to become expert at it and proficient at it. But there shouldn't be the attitude that sometime in the future I will live this way. Right now, I am aware, you can say to yourself, right now I am aware that I am. And I understand that that's really important. I'm also aware that I can make myself be, my instruments be relaxed and present and be at peace and at ease because I like that and that's healthy for me. I will do that right now and I will do it as much as possible as I can get myself to remember. I will cultivate that, I will remind myself as of now, not sometime in the future. A new, ha a new habit. Yeah, you cultivate a habit by actually doing. And when you, when you do something persistently, the chosen actions that cultivate the positive habits that you want, that will cultivate a character. So a character, it's not saying, it's my, in my character to be this or that. No, you cultivate the character. The character you cultivate is what determines your destiny. So your actions create your modes of behaviors, your ways of actions, that cre creates your character, which creates your destiny. 
This is the statement of liberation from dependence upon circumstances and conditions, including destiny imposed. Hey, Jeremiah, would you mind repeating that, please, sir? The whole thing? No, just what you said, just right there. But... Okay. The actions that we choose, right. when they're positive actions, they will cultivate within us certain positive behaviors, positive ways of thinking and feeling, and then positive actions come forth from that. That cultivation creates our character, right? Am I a positive character, am I, or am I an angry per a person, or am I an anxious person, am I disharmonious, or am I at peace, am I, you know, and so on, right? So the character is created. The kind of character create you create is what determines your destiny. Because the character and the way of expressing yourself in this life and experiencing yourself in this life, that is your destiny. That makes sense, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And then I come. Yes. Would you also say that the journey is your life and your life is the journey? Yeah. Did you hear that? What you say? The journey is your life and your life is the journey? That's why I wrote a book called Journey Into Your Center. <laughs> and it's, I, I can say this because I can say it egolessly. My, my students have read this same book for years. And, and the chapters are very short. They're sometimes just four or five pages. And they got pictures in them, because I like pictures. <laughs> but anyway, the, it's a very interesting book because it's written in a way where you read it and you, you say, oh yeah, that makes sense. I understand that. And what our students do, so they read a chapter fully at one sitting, five pages. It takes a few minutes. But it's written on many different levels. Then they read it the next day, the same chapter. And they say, oh, there's more. Third day, they discover even more. Fourth day, even more. By the end of the week, they have it all inside of themselves. It has affected the way they conduct their life, affected their feelings, their thinking, their action. And so it's an evolutionary book. It is written so as to cultivate the experiences again, experience of what we're talking about in this book. And then we get together <clears throat> and we, we do a lot to cultivate the experience of our interconnectedness. Even in the meditation, did you hear me refer to the fact that we were joined in this experience? Mm -hmm. The same experience at the same time. That's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. and especially when it's a positive experience. Not war, not conflict, not anger, not traffic, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So we cultivate the experience of interconnectedness. So each person, each member of the group has a buddy, and they contact each other during the week, and then small subgroups, they, they, they join and they discuss certain things and they support each other and so on. They have the reading of this book, and then we practice, we do 
at least one meditation, if not two meditations a day, but then we also practice being that conscious and being aware throughout the day, even while we're at work and so on. So it cultivates, the thing is, this makes, everybody wants what we're talking about. I'm, it's just, if I can make a statement, everybody wants to be loved. Do you know that's true? Mm -hmm. I know that's true, you know? And so everybody wants to be in that state that we're talking about. It's just a matter of, of pulling it and giving it onto yourself, you know? And that's by being an expert at relating to you, relating your mind, your feelings, emotion, intellect, intuition, even your actions, your behaviors, all your experiences, relating them to you. That's, that's where fulfillment lies. And that's where freedom from circumstances and condition lies. Because when you're so focused in the beauty and health and the power of such experience, the other stuff doesn't matter. It falls off your back. Yeah. Yes? Uh huh. Yes. So the, your little diagram has only got it only one way. What you're saying is, if you become semi-realized, you understand that your actions going to impact your your feeling. And that arrow, there's an arrow on the other side. Yeah. Yes. There is meant to be an arrow in in both directions. Okay. They all, like I said, the <laughs> the mental attitude affects your feelings, your feelings affect your actions, your actions affect how you feel about yourself. And they all, and so also they go back on each other. The, the way you think about yourself will directly affect your actions as well. You know? and, and then the way your actions go directly influence how you feel. And the way you feel, if you're feeling lousy and crummy and so on, <clears throat> lethargic or lifeless even, then your feelings, uh, I mean your, in, your mind will say very uh, negative things about you. But conversely, in the positive sense, it's so easy to turn it around. You cultivate positivity in any one of those three, in your thinking, in your feeling, in your actions, it makes a difference. And once you set yourself into that positive cycle, it becomes reinforced over and over and over again until eventually there's no practice, you're just living it. You're living it consciously. Moment to moment, breath to breath. Yes? I have a feeling that all of this may be practiced a little easier or has been practiced for more years in some other cultures than the United States or not? Are the Americans just oblivious to all this? I, okay, um, I have to give you yes and no answer. Yes, uh, I think we are more oblivious than most. I think other cultures, they are inherently more uh, peaceful, more self aware and so on, but they're also less distracted by all of the material accomplishments and 
objects and yearning and so on that we have and the demands that those objects impose, right? But then also, you know, I've taught, I've, I'm the only uh, Westerner that I know who was taught among the sages in the Himalayas. And even in the Himalayas and in India, where this is much more commonplace, what I'm talking about. But they often get distracted with other things like maybe uh, rituals and, and so on. And if rituals can be a way of bringing you towards something or distracting you from something. So there's distraction is available everywhere. <laughs> but yes, I think you are correct that it is only the awareness is coming here now. In uh, other cultures, it's been there for 5,000 years. Yeah. Except we have, and in fact, I did my, my thesis on the relationship between the, this kind of work in the East as compared to Western philosophy. And there is a lot of background in Western philosophy from the Greeks on through the contemporary German philosophers and so on, where all of this is known. And that's the other thing. The knowledge of reality does not belong to one culture. They may be, they may be more in touch with certain aspects of it, but the knowledge of, of what we're talking about is not Eastern or is not Western, is not contemporary and is not ancient, it's everything. It's always been there. Reality has always been there. And people's relationship, whether positive or negative, have, has always been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think probably the, the, the shamans in the cave were looking for ways of being one with that reality. Yeah. Yes? I think the study of it, the, the, the meditation is perhaps, depends on what circles you're hanging out in, but more self-conscious here in that we're just coming to it and I think it may be more embedded in some of those ancient, yes. more ancient cultures that don't yes. think about it as a practice. It just so I, yes, you're right. And at the same time, I have some very prominent uh, friends in, in uh, India, in Delhi. And one of them has been my friend for like almost 40 years. I've known him since he was a teenager. And he is the head of a very large business. And he says, Dr. Vogel, um, and they're, they're so touching. They're so sincere, even though they're filthy rich and have you know, the world on a platter. Dr. Vogel, uh, you, 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 you've shown us meditation and so on, because I have to stay in the house. When I come to India, I have to stay there. And he says, I have a lot of friends, some of them are ministers and heads of large corporations, some of them are way up in government, and they don't know anything about meditation. And my wife and I, we didn't know anything about meditation until we met you. Would you, I, I would like to get my, my friends together, do a gathering, and have you work, teach us, do a workshop on meditation. So I said, okay, Anush, you get the people together, I'll do it, I'll show up. So I did. We had a group, a larger room like, like this with people, and they were so sincere and so into it. And we did three hours, you know, of just lively discussion and so on. And 
And afterwards he came out and he says, you know, this is amazing. India is supposed to be one of the seats of all of this knowledge and meditation and so on. And we have a Westerner come and teach us meditation. <laughs> yeah? But even when I, I teach amongst the, the Himalayan sages, the, the methods of meditation that I have, that are very pragmatic, they work, you know, because all you have to do is do it. They don't necessarily know about that because they know about it from the, the, their, their scriptures, the Puranas and Katapanishads and so on and so on. And they don't necessarily know these particular very pragmatic methods that work so deeply. You know. So we have both. So, yes? Has uh, any of this been used in any of the prisons or uh, lit? Uh, I think about 20 years ago, I did a program in the prison here. And it was touching. Because I, I showed up there once a week. And when I came in, the inmates were like in a large group gathered on the other side of the gates. And the, it's funny, you have to go through all these locks and so on, it's really weird. They were waiting on the other side, ready to go for the program each week. And this was before, some of you may remember, there was a prisoner exchange program between Mexico and us. And so a lot of American prisoners came back into our system and they, they didn't have the space anymore. So we stopped. But yes, it has been used. And I think it's being used you know, in different places. Is it successful? Do you know any studies that have been done? I, don't, I could not cite any studies. But I know it was very successful when I did it. They came to me afterwards and said, could you give us <coughs> tapes at those times? It was tapes so that we could do a class daily by ourselves with your guidance on tape. So I gave them that, and they did a daily class. Mm. Yeah, and it helps them a lot. Mm. Well, I thank you very much for your attentiveness. It was a great pleasure to be with yourself, with you. And I salute the power and beauty of being that you are, and bow down ego before that. Mm. Thank you all. Have a wonderful life, if you want to.